I think trying to avoid those negative reinforcement loops and to understand that you're going to fall off the wagon and that's okay. Just show up and just show up to your workout. Even if you don't get the best workout in, just show up and, and, and start pushing that snowball back down the hill and get that positive reinforcement loop going again. What? is shaken. Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 238 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with Fritz Landman. He is the CEO of MindBody, and you probably use MindBody more often than you know, and you may not even realize it. MindBody is a cloud-based software that provides online scheduling and other business management software for the wellness services industry. So more often than not, if you're booking a class, that class uses MindBody to make that happen. Fritz and I were introduced last year at the MindBody Bold Conference when I had the opportunity to sit down on stage with the one and only Ashley Graham. And I was so captivated by his story and knew that I wanted to get him on the podcast. He is a super savvy guy, never in a million years when he was young, thinking that he would be working at the intersection of tech and wellness. But here we are. So with that said, Fritz comes to this position at MindBody after heading up ClassPass. MindBody actually acquired ClassPass back in 2021. And in today's episode, Fritz talks to me all about the journey that got him here, including a difficult shoulder injury, which actually was the catalyst for his relationship with wellness today. Fritz has a lot of really great advice in today's episode. This one kind of reminds me of the chat I had with Ali Aradi, the CEO and founder of Tonal. As an entrepreneur myself, I can tell you that this man has got business advice, life advice advice that you are not going to want to miss out on. Plus, it was so, so interesting to hear him talk about navigating the business during the pandemic. Make sure if you're not yet doing so, you're following Hurdle over on social. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I myself am over at Emily Abadi and a shout out to Lauren, a hurdler that was in town from Memphis visiting that I ran into last night. You made my day. So if you're ever around and you see me and I see you, come say hi. <laughs> it's so fun for me to meet any and all of you in person. Last little bit of housekeeping here. I am always, always, always looking for your listener questions. I need them to make the goodness that is Five Minute Friday, an episode that I'm told week after week is one of your favorites and I want to keep it in the rotation. So if you have a listener question, feel free to leave me a voice message by clicking the link in the show notes. If for some reason that page gives you a problem, I've heard of that before, you can always email me a voice note as well. The place to send that is over at hello at hurdle.us. And with that, Let's get to it. Let's get to hurdling. 
today I am sitting down with Fritz Landman. He is the CEO of Mind Body. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. It's good to to see you from across the country. Whereas the last time I spoke with you, we were in the same place in LA at a very big moment for both of us, the Mind Body Bold Conference. Indeed. Yeah. It was a lot warmer than uh, where I am right now here in Montana. In Montana. I'm living vicariously through you because it makes me feel like you're close to Yellowstone. We, the, you know the TV show Yellowstone? Do you watch that? Of course I do. I watch it every Sunday. So um, Beth, the character's uh, office in the, her law firm is in my office building here in Missoula, and it's filmed just 30 miles south, right over those mountains right there. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, what a dream. What a dream. Yeah. I definitely want to get to a place where we can talk about how you ended up running Mind Body from Montana, but I don't want to jump ahead just yet. I mean, I'm excited, though, to get to know a little bit about you, because not only have you had such a crazy career thus far as both an entrepreneur and now at the front of such a major company, but you also have a really interesting personal story. So talk to us a little bit to get us started. Did you ever think that you would be the CEO of a company like MindBody? You know, I've always been a tech geek. And so I always thought I would end up in the tech industry. I went to work for Microsoft out of uh, right out of college as an undergrad. But I never imagined I could work at the intersection of wellness and technology. Like wellness tech wasn't a thing that really existed when I graduated from college. It was sort of the peak of the dot-com era. So it sort of has all happened fortuitously that I've been, you know, spending the last seven or eight years in this particular sub-vertical of technology. Sub-vertical. So now that you're in this vertical, we I asked you if you ever envisioned being the CEO of a company like MindBody, but did you ever imagine yourself working in wellness? What has your relationship with wellness looked like from a young age? So definitely never anticipated being CEO of a wellness company, but you know would have liked to have thought that being a CEO of a tech company was a likely outcome. And um, but that doesn't mean I wasn't into wellness. I, I was I was an athlete. Um, I was the captain of my high school basketball team and a pretty crappy uh, high school football player, uh, and uh, and very mediocre golfer. I had kind of always played sports growing up. I'm the oldest of five boys, uh, and you know, sports were always an important part of my life. Suffered a catastrophic shoulder dislocation my freshman year of college uh, at Yale. But I never was like hardcore about working out, always into wellness, mostly through the lens of athletics. Kind of got my career going out of college, was pretty hardcore about that, worked really long hours. And slowly and sort of without knowing it, fell dramatically out of shape. Perhaps have a rational amount of uh, self-esteem or something that I didn't notice it. But you know, and, and I would kind of come and go and have periods of peak motivation and not and go to the gym. But the gym for me was always a bit more of like a job, like was part of our training for sports was, hey, you got to get in the weight room or running was punishment. And uh, it wasn't until I actually started working with ClassPass, you know, which is sort of incubated and led the seed round for and was coaching the founders on that I had ever really tried studio fitness. And it really ignited something in me because it, to me, it felt like the intersection of sort of working out in sports, having that camaraderie, that, that sort of co-opetition, that instructor feedback and accountability, the challenges of the different techniques, you know, it really worked for me. So, so I went from being, you know, accidentally kind of terribly out of shape with dangerously high cholesterol rates, uh, you know, in my early thirties to, uh, you know, taking, um, uh, dramatic changes to, to my lifestyle and wellness 
in conjunction with starting to run ClassPass uh, that I've mostly stuck with for for the last uh, seven or eight years. Mostly. Yeah. When you say catastrophic shoulder injury, give us some more info on that. Yeah. If you're a Bruce Willis fan um, and saw him dislocate his, uh, his, his shoulder and lethal weapon and reset it, that happened to me in a basketball game. Uh, like a 6'10 guy jumped. I dove for a ball. My arm was outstretched on a basketball court grabbing the ball. And somebody who was 6'10 and probably weighed 260 pounds uh, dove for it, landed on my outstretched arm, and it fully dislocated out of the socket. And it was such a bad dislocation, I couldn't reset it, nor could a trainer who was there. So I had to go to the ER, and uh, it took like an hour and got morphined up. And they you know, took a doctor and three nurses to uh, yank me back and forth and reset it. Uh, and unfortunately, that's a, that becomes a, an injury that recurs because you've loosened up the sockets. And so it happened a few other times in various training situations. I got a surgery on it. Uh, I was exploring going to the military out of college and, and got a surgery on it because I was disqualified to do that. And, and then a year later, by then my career was taking off. Um, and the surgery worked for about 10 years. And then I redislocated it again playing basketball and most recently did it actually at a CrossFit gym. But now I can actually reset it most of the time. And it looks kind of badass if I uh, dislocate it and reset it, even if it <laughs> looks kind of badass. You know, I got in a bike accident not, not long ago and mm. it's healing, but you're making me, you are making me nervous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, injuries, you know, I've learned and and it's not just because now I'm in my forties, but, and, and how much it sets you back. But, uh, you know, even at those young ages, it, you know, kind of derailed my aspirational athletic career and wellness is such an important part of my life now that um, it's tough to when you suffer through those kinds of injuries. Yeah. And, and what I'm hearing you say also in telling us and sharing with us your story about navigating the shoulder issues and then finding fitness kind of later in life is that you found fitness at a time that was really hectic for you. How did you make it a regular habit despite being knee deep in building class pass? Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, I had the added motivation of I'd put a lot of money into ClassPass and then I um, ended up, the founder asked me to step in and take the operating reins. So we switched jobs and she became the chairman and I became the CEO. And so I had a business incentive to do it. Um, and I had a boss back at Microsoft who had told me, you know, choose uh, two out of three things, your, your health, your career, and your relationships. And I had sort of from my 20s chosen my career and my relationships and had sort of put my my health again not sort of consciously but just wasn't really aware wasn't really trained in my nutrition was on flights all the time you know living kind of bi-coastal lifestyle working on my different companies and stuff and and just had kind of fallen by the wayside so once i had a in a business incentive and then found a fitness genre and format and routine which was a variety routine for me uh that's really when I fell in love with it and then started to realize, you know, not only do I have a business reason to do this because I need to know this industry, but, um, you know, it makes me a smarter kind of consumer uh, and it makes me a more productive leader when I when I actually have a workout, you know, in the day. Yeah, to answer your question, like really, you know, you can come up with every excuse. This whole industry, there's so much about it is is around motivation. It's the It's the biggest problem that all of us have whether it's with nutrition or, or with working out is, is staying on that, having that motivation, having that discipline. The way I've done it is just prioritize it. And, and it sounds cliche, but like, 
my team knows like we make it uh, socially acceptable to work out during the day and to block off your calendar and to wear athleisure at work and to take time to prioritize that. And um, I think it's important that I show that example to the company. Definitely. Definitely. So you take on this role of CEO at ClassPass. Talk to us about maybe what some of your biggest learnings were right off the bat. I mean, again, this is a pivot for you coming from other former jobs, including this one at Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. I'd been at Microsoft. I'd become an executive there. I then was starting companies and angel investing in businesses. Uh, and investing in businesses like Square and Pinterest actually just made me want to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I'm sort of trying to help these founders where I can. So I'd started a few businesses and one was great success. One was an epic failure. Uh, and ClassPass was sort of the adopted baby. And um, running a hyper growth tech company is not something that you can train for, right? You can join a large company that's established and move up the career ladder. And I'd had that experience. You can start a company and you have a nine out of 10 chance of failing, in, especially in tech. And I'd had that experience and, and I'd had, you know, one that worked, but we sold it pretty early on. I'd never had the experience of kind of coming into something that was experiencing hyper growth, going through multiple fundraising rounds, having to hire hundreds of people, having to do business model pivots on the fly, uh, you know, scaling it globally to 30 countries. So nothing can really prepare you, I don't think, for, you know, being the driver's seat for a company that's going through that kind of scaling. It just doesn't there isn't really a training mechanism for it other than maybe joining a startup that's in rapid growth and becoming an executive. Uh, so, but, but even then, like, you know, you can buy all the business books that you want. You can read all the blog posts that you want. You can have all of the coaching sessions and mentorship sessions that you want until you're actually in the seat. Um, you, you can't figure it out. I think that was the, the greatest learning was, Hey, just get in there and start figuring it out. Everyone, you know, has imposter syndrome. Nobody was prepared for this. Bill Gates wasn't trained to be a CEO, neither was Jeff Bezos, neither was, you know, Sheryl Sandberg or, you know, any great executive uh, who has achieved a lot. Steve Jobs, like they, they all just had to kind of figure it out as they went. Yeah. Yeah. So give us a timeline here as to when you stepped in as CEO. So I invested in the beginning. So the founders had, it was called Classtivity when I invested. I led the seed round. That was 2013 is when it became ClassPass. And then uh, Pyle asked me to step in and run it in December of 2015. Okay. And kind of decided, hey, I'll do this for a year or two and see how it goes. And once we'd kind of really fixed the business model and we're scaling it, it was like, you know, really had fallen in love with the industry and, and also just a once in a sort of career chance to scale a company from, you know, 25 cities to 30 countries and hundreds of cities and, and to, to hopefully take it public. And when you uh, earlier to double click on this, you said a routine of variety. What did variety look like for you within your fitness routine at that time? So the beauty of ClassPass, which I didn't appreciate until I started using it, is <laughs> that is that you really can build a variety routine. Now, this doesn't a common misconception is that ClassPassers don't habituate. They do. The, the 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 way it works is you download the app, you look at the stuff around you. You spend your first 30 or 60 days kind of like a shopping period to use the college class shopping analogy. Like you're, you're testing different stuff out, seeing what genre, seeing what brands, seeing what instructors you like. But almost all of them by their second or third month have habituated into a variety of places. And so yeah. for me, that was adding three or four different places and then going back to those each week so that I wasn't doing the same exact workout with the same instructor every day. I would see 
each instructor once a week, you know, but I would do four or five workouts a week. Now that routine was different between where I was living. I was living by coastly between San Francisco and New York. So, and then once I added Montana to my travel routine, you know, obviously kind of a different footprint than uh, Chelsea in New York, where you have every studio fitness opportunity in the world. In San Francisco, I lived near a CrossFit gym. So that's when I kind of got into CrossFit. Uh, and, and, and here in Montana, there was, you know, a, a, like hybrid of gyms, climbing gyms and a few studios. Okay. Okay. So a lot of variety here, but you, you also mentioned kind of re-injuring, I hate to jump around, but now I'm curious, re-injuring yourself again, doing CrossFit, not all that long ago. I feel as though injury can be something that really dissuades someone from getting back into fitness, knowing that they've worked so hard to find perhaps some sort of a routine and then we're dissuaded as in your experience. So what piece of advice do you have for someone that maybe has gone through a similar event as you did? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The, the key I've learned is any little piece of friction that gets added reduces your propensity to work out, right? It, you can always come up with an excuse. You always have more work to be done. You always have that other person you could go spend your time with. You, you can come up with good reasons to not work out in that moment in time. It's always, the, it's like, it's funny because it's like, like, and I'm in the business of selling people fitness. It's like people never are excited to work out. Even like the most, like, you know, the best athletes in the world are like still like, you know, that moment of having to get up and do their workout is still requires them to self-motivate. So I think the advice I give is reduce the friction, right? Do everything you can to reduce the friction. So, you know, for me, that is, uh, if I don't hit my 630 workout, I always have my noon to one slot open so that, um, and, and I make sure I do not schedule meetings there at best. I get to use it for personal work time, you know, cause there's never enough time in the day at worst. If I don't get my workout in the morning, cause I can't motivate to get up, then I get my ass up and I go, you know, and hit the gym and get a workout in. So for me, it's like, you know, committing to it, um, wearing that athleisure to work, uh, you know, so that I can have a routine that's not too much frictionful. If I have to change, then go, doesn't, doesn't happen, right? So if I don't get my workout in the morning, I wear athleisure to work and everyone in the, in the office knows they're, <laughs> I'm going to be gone from 12 to 1 because I didn't get my workout in that morning and that kind of keeps me accountable. So I would just find ways to minimize the friction. And that's something we think about a lot of ClassPass. And now with MindBody, with the MindBody app, is how do you minimize the number of clicks it takes to book that workout, to mm. get over that, that commitment hurdle? Uh, you know, and then once you've kind of booked it in advance, it's, it's harder to back out at the last minute. Minimize the friction. I really love that. I really do. And I totally understand what you're saying about habitual and class pass. You know, like I went through my first iteration of being a class pass member, God, maybe like eight or nine years ago, stopped using for a number of years and only started using again recently. And probably within, I would say two to three months, just like you're saying, I found the three or four things that I like to do within the parameters of my membership every single month. And I essentially use class pass for those same three or four things every single month, period. And now, yeah, I mean, and that, that is the path to success in working out is what we've seen. And, and, and so ClassPass realized that people would stay active longer if they got into that habituated routine. And so we reinforce it. You know, we have the home screen in the app is trying to nudge you into rebooking. Now, some people, you know, oh, by the way, the other thing we've started doing in ClassPass, which people don't seem to know about, is adding beauty and wellness appointments. So you can do cryo. Those are two of the appointments that I do every single month via ClassPass. Okay. There you go. Yeah. 
So, you know, our goal there is just to keep adding more stuff to help you find your thing and help you find that routine. You know, some people don't like the trade-offs of booking through ClassPass. They'd rather book direct when they want or just be a 10-pack kind of purchaser. So for them, they can use the MindBody app. And we still try to encourage that habituated behavior because, again, you know, back to your question about injuries, one thing that I did uh, on the encouragement of my CrossFit coach, uh, Jim, uh, affiliate coach here, was even if I couldn't do the workout of the day because I had dislocated my shoulder doing Turkish get-ups, um, just still show up at the gym. Like, you can still find a way. You can still get your air squats in. You can do, you know, sit-ups. Uh, there was exercises that I, I, I would use it for a PT time. So one thing I found is just like, you know, committing to that routine. Uh, and even if you don't uh, have your personal PR best workout, like if you just keep showing up, eventually you'll get back into it. I keep cycling back to other things that you said because there was a lot of interesting stuff in there. I really appreciated and I'm marinating over this concept of only being able to focus on two buckets at a time. I feel like so often we get that analogy that's like, say there's like four buckets of things that you're like prioritizing in your life. And, you know, it is easy to get to a place where you are only focusing on those two. But then what happens when like maybe the other two completely run dry? Like, did you feel like in your pursuit of focusing on family and career that you did get to a point, maybe like with health being one of your remaining two buckets that you felt as though you were just so run down and empty? For sure. Yeah. And you know, but I, I think I matured and realized that boss wasn't necessarily right. And you can actually find ways to balance. And, you know, it, work is the one that there's always more work that you can do. Right. Yeah. And as a startup entrepreneur, it's the one variable that you feel like you can control is how much you work. And so you, you tend to just keep doing it to maximize your chances of success. But at some point, it definitely becomes a false economy. If you don't have not just your wellness, but you know, good, healthy, productive relationships with a romantic partner, with your children, with good friends. Um, you know, I find it to be a false economy. So the older I get, uh, you know, the, the more uh, I, I, I tend to try to espouse that balance and the false economy nature of, of just leaning into two things in life. Life's multifaceted. <laughs> Life is multifaceted. Okay. So I would be remiss now if we didn't get to the point where we're talking about being the CEO of Class Class during a global pandemic. Where do we even begin there? I mean, yeah, that it wasn't high on my list of career aspirations to run a fitness company during a, a, a one in a hundred year pandemic, for sure. Um, candidly, I was lucky on two dimensions. One, we had just raised uh, over a quarter billion dollars in December of 2019. So we were fresh off of a really huge fundraise built on the success of our global expansion and strong unit economics and happy customers and users and partners. And, um, you know, we'd moved to this credit system and it was really working uh, with these machine learning algorithms that automatically optimize revenue for these studios and gyms. So the model was finally like really humming. And because of that, we were able to raise. And if we hadn't been able to raise, we might've been in trouble because we thought the pandemic would be, we had a three month scenario and a six month scenario. And we thought we were being responsible by planning for the six month scenario. And, you know, it's ended up being that the industry is still recovering from, you know, we lost 30% of fitness studios in America uh, as an industry and 25% of all fitness businesses, uh, less so international. I think international governments did a better job supporting the fitness industry. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a huge supply shock that really set this industry back to kind of 2019 levels of 
businesses and and uh, customers and consumers in the space. So it set us back. And then I think the second thing I was lucky about was convincing those investors who had just given us a quarter billion dollars to let us shut shut our own revenue off. So we froze class pass memberships for everyone and said, look, A, we want to be on the right side of history. If my daughter's asking me someday, dad, how did you run your you know virtual gym business during the pandemic? It's we froze people's memberships and said, if you want to unfreeze and use our video workouts, you can, but don't feel obligated to go to a gym when it's not safe. And I think that that led to some good goodwill with customers and was good for our brand. And second, it saved people from churning. If we were charging you and you didn't weren't somebody who wanted to pay for video workouts, you would have left and not given us a second chance. And so uh, by taking the kind of long view and having that investor support to take those steps, which, you know, us proactively cratering our revenue, 95%. That was tough. But uh, by doing that, it, it really helped us optimize for long term and come out of the pandemic, you know, really strong, which is ultimately what led to uh, our combination, you know, an acquisition of MindBody, um, which you know, ClassPass is not part of. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, Future. Future is a new way to get fully customized personal training that revolves around you. No matter what gets you moving, you'll find the guidance, the motivation, and accountability you need to push beyond your comfort zone. Future has all of the benefits of a one-on-one personal training without the one-hour time limit or a strict schedule. Whether you need tips for sleeping well the night before a race or nutrition advice after setting a new deadlift PR, your coach is ready to create a competitive edge wherever and whenever you're focused on fitness. And it all happens right through the Future app with the tools you need to plan your workouts, measure progress, and celebrate milestones. I am hooked on Future. I'm currently doing a four workouts with my Future coach each week. And I'm really starting to see some progress, which makes me feel all sorts of giddy and really strong in my body. Shout out to my coach who also happens to have the name Brandon. You are my guy. Now start your 30-day risk-free trial of Future today. Just head on over to tryfuture.com slash hurdle. That's tryfuture.com slash hurdle for a free month of training. You can cancel at any time. Personal training made modern only on Future. Also, thank you so much to my sponsor at Element. Element is a delicious electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It replaces vital electrolytes without sugars and other dodgy ingredients found in conventional sport drinks. Available in a wide range of flavors from citrus and raspberry and orange salt to mango, chili, and chocolate salt, which makes the most ideal hot chocolate. Trust me on this one. There is a sweet, salty sip for every palate. I love drinking an element after my morning workout. It is a delicious way for me to recharge and give my body exactly what it needs so that I can keep performing my best. Now, of course, Element has a great deal for you. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free sample pack with your next order. Again, that is drinkelement.com, drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free sample pack with your next order.
I'm sure that so many, not only your customers, but then also the studios associated with the platform really appreciated that approach for you being such a successful business leader, uh, you know, with varied experience during this time, did individuals come to you uh, seeking advice or your input? And what did you have to offer them when a lot of us, you know, myself for sure, didn't have a lot of optimism? Yeah, certainly we're all trying to help each other through it. And I was in a more fortunate place because we had raised all this venture backed money, right? And and a lot of our businesses didn't have that. They did have better access. We didn't take government loans or any stimulus or anything. So we helped a lot of them figure out that, navigate it. Uh, we helped with investor introductions. We helped show signs that, you know, when the restrictions would be lifted, people did flood back to the gyms and studios. Um, at, at class pass users, go back at 110% pre-pandemic rates because I think they're more tired of being boxed up and wanting to you know, emphasize their wellness more. Um, and then we got involved with a bunch of government lobbying efforts and we did things like waived our commissions on video revenues we were able to collect to try to keep as many of the gyms and studios and businesses as we could. So, you know, I think we really united as an industry. I think we learned a lot. I think we have a long way to go in terms of getting better at things like government lobbying. I think we didn't do as well in America as, as, as we did in many of the other countries that class pass and mind body operated in around the world. Right. Right. And yeah, 110% of pre pandemic levels. Is that distribution different than maybe what you saw before? I know you mentioned the addition of a lot more, you know, beauty and perhaps self-care services, massage, et cetera. So, uh, what's that distribution like these days? Yeah. A lot of this spa salon stuff that people do now in class pass is, is sort of replacing lost fitness businesses. Mm. Um, the second thing that changed is we saw a lot more suburban migration and a lot less just office commuting. So, you know, there's a lot of people who are, live in Hoboken and instead of commuting into New York City every day, they stay in Hoboken. And so we've really had to think about how we change our, you know, footprint of partner businesses for ClassPass or in the case of MindBody, how do we really focus on businesses that are where people live instead of just where people work uh, because that's, you know, where this industry kind of migrated to. So interesting, you know, as a podcaster, when I lost the commuting crowd for a little while, it was a scary moment, right? Because so many people typically would spend that 30, 45 an hour in their car listening to the show, and they no longer had that commitment to the content. So I can totally relate on trying to think like, okay, how can I better serve my community and what can I provide them that they're actually seeking that meets them with where they're at? Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally different. Totally different. So you did mention MindBody acquiring ClassPass. Talk to us about that transition and how your role shifted. ClassPass was exploring going public. I mean, this, there were SPACs, you know, every day uh, tech companies were going public and Thank God uh, we didn't decide to do that. And Vista Equity, who is uh, one of the most prominent, perhaps the most successful uh, enterprise software private equity firms in the, in the last 20 years, they had bought MindBody, which you know was the, the ClassPass is sort of the industry's biggest aggregator of fitness experiences. MindBody is the biggest SaaS provider. So really the, the sort of operating system and business management software that uh, a single location yoga studio could run on or a business as big as, you know, F45 or Orange Theory can run on. And uh, and so we kind of said, hey, you know, we'd, we'd flirted, we were partners, Mind, ClassPass was built on MindBody's API. That's how we could put reservations into most of our businesses' systems, for example. And uh, and so we had this 
this this friendly dynamic also is what you know mind body had a consumer app so is that competitive so we had had this interesting dynamic for many years and ultimately um you know in talking to the ceo of mind body who's now uh, on our board of directors and, and is a longtime friend and mentor and business partner of mine uh, he recommended we explore bringing the businesses together and we did it was hard um it, it ended up, it was, it was kind of a tough call at the time because the public markets were so hot. So some of our investors were like, maybe we should just go public and stay independent. Ultimately, we believe the better, the better together story was just very compelling. Um, MindBody now can guarantee that ClassPass is going to be good for a business. If you're on MindBody, MindBody says, use ClassPass, fill your extra capacity. If it's harmful to your business and you actually lose money from cannibalization or some other fear, MindBody will write you a check for double what you've lost. Huh. We we couldn't do that as our own company, right? So having that weight of mind body, having that proof point of mind body and the balance sheet of it as, you know, this 20-year-old iconic business that sort of invented, you know, and, and really unlocked the studio fitness trend um, was incredibly valuable for ClassPass. My role did shift. Uh, I became, instead of being the CEO of the company, I was the president. So I became kind of the number two and was running the consumer business for MindBody and ClassPass. Uh, and, um, Josh, the CEO, who's this longtime mentor and friend, you know, he had set me up as his, his eventual successor. And after about a year of working together, uh, uh, and, and recognizing him as more of a sales oriented leader, and he was taking board seats and kind of looking for that next chapter. And me as really a tech geek and somebody who, uh, has spent the last, you know, 20 years, especially the last 10 years building cutting edge distributed systems and machine learning systems. That's what MindBody really needed right now. And so he he asked me to step up and take the operating reins and to to make MindBody software indispensably valuable to, you know, all the businesses out there that are in the wellness industry. Montana. <laughs> How does a guy get to this point where he gets to run a company from where he wants to run a company? Yeah, I it's funny cuz Montana was an accident. Uh once we had kind of fixed ClassPass and had it working really well, we decided a board member prompted us, said, maybe you shouldn't be running it in the two most expensive cities in America, New York and SF. And uh, his suggestion was Detroit um, didn't land as well with our executive team. So we were going to do Salt Lake or Denver, kind of shared commuting pain, mountain active lifestyle communities. But we found that they'd already been overrun by big tech. You know, Google and Facebook have presences in Denver and, and Boulder and, and Salt Lake City and real estate's gotten expensive and traffic's gotten worse. So we hired a selection vendor and said, Hey, find us uh Boulder, Colorado from 20 years ago, kind of city. And, um, the, the finalists were Bozeman, Missoula, and a few others kind of university towns in the mountains that back then, especially before the pandemic boom, were really cheap. We opened an office and we would give people the choice and people who chose to work in Montana were happier workers. They'd stay longer, uh, and got to live this amazing lifestyle. So we were lucky in that we were already a distributed company. So we were used to Zooming even before COVID. We weren't a business that had to learn how to virtually collaborate with COVID. Uh, and the same was true with MindBody. So MindBody was started in San Luis Obispo. The CEO at the time was based in Scottsdale, you know, but we have offices in Singapore and Sydney and London and uh, New York. And so once we brought the businesses together, we said, look, even though um, I'm a guy who likes to go to the office, I'm in the office five days a week. I like to have that separation of church and state. And God knows my wife doesn't want me at home uh, <laughs> being on calls. Uh, but even though I'm somebody who's like that, you know, I try to listen to my customer and, and my first customers are employees. And 
people love the flexibility of being able to work where they want to work. And, you know, we like to think we have offices in spectacular places between the beach in San Luis Obispo and the desert in Arizona and the mountains in Montana um, and the cities like New York and SF. But uh, but we let people kind of be where they need to be to optimize for their wellness and where they're the most productive. A lot of variety there. Uh, overall picture of wellness. We've talked about fitness. How do you take care of you outside of moving your body? You know, that's actually something I've been working on. Um, so we do a lot of executive sponsored wellness challenges and competitions. We try to really live our mission, you know, as a company. And one of the challenges I send up for is to get into meditation. And I'll be honest, I, I give myself a C minus. I've done it a few times. I do it every now and again, but I, I haven't really established it as a, as a consistent and critical part of my routine. And I feel like I have a lot of upside in doing so. Um, my wife has really started using it to fall asleep and like is like sleeping better than she ever has. So that's something I've been I've been working on, but unsuccessfully. The two that I've gotten better about one is um, I found through ClassPass the most amazing masseuse here in Missoula of all places, uh, and it's like a medical healing experience, you know. And I go and I try to get in there at least once a month. Um, and then a former employee of ours who kind of fell in love with this industry decided to go out on his own, become an entrepreneur and open a cryo place in Missoula. And so I've tried to add that to my routine as well. Uh, there's some good medical, uh, you know, longitudinal studies coming out about, you know, uh, temperature treatments and hot, cold and, and uh, cryo specifically. And, uh, and so I've tried to add that to my routine, especially, you know, dealing with injuries, adding cryo and um, uh, massage for my shoulder injury has been uh, a game changer. Okay. So we're working on self-care is what you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. Constant, it, constantly working on it, constantly evolving. And, uh, you know, there's always, uh, there's always more achievement to be had there. Again, super successful in business. There's no arguing that I'm sure in the industry and beyond when people hear your name, you, they think of you this way as someone that's behind this very large company. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Well, I appreciate the compliments. I don't think most people know who I am and and that's kind of how I prefer <laughs> it. So I try to be anonymous. I live in this little mountain town. You know, my wife and I try to have our organizations that we give to and I try to help entrepreneurs build great companies. I'm proud of my business success, but you know, our time here is short and the things that I hope to be remembered by is the quality of dad and husband and friend and brother that I'm going to be. Um, and maybe mentor and, at work too. I, I We spend... We do spend at the end of the day, most of our time working, our waking hours are working. And so you better find what you love, find an opportunity to learn and get better every day and and find joy in those personal challenges and then people that you work with. And uh, and that's that's really been a, a revelation for me, you know, moving out of just tech to wellness tech has been, hey, you know, we get to help people, try to help people live longer, happier lives, or, you know, in the case of ClassPass, directly activate them and motivate them. So, um, you know, I try to find be somebody who finds meaning in their work and and levers my impact, you know, through collaboration with others. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, we have aligning mission statements is that for Hurdle, the goal uh, with every episode is to encourage others to live healthier, happier, more motivated lives in whatever way that looks right to them, right? So it's cool to be able to have this opportunity to sit awesome. down with you and and hear more about how you guys are doing that and your journey to get to this point. Now, as we finish off final two questions, first of which, 
when you think about your, you're relatively new to this specific role, right? Yeah, I think it's been about three months. But yeah, still new. Yeah. <laughs> Super new. So in this last three month period, any advice that someone's offered you on this new chapter that you'd like to share? The person didn't give me the advice directly, but one of the career mantras I picked up and now is one of the mind body values is be so good they can't ignore you. And that's advice that Steve Martin gave an aspiring comedian uh, when the comedian said, hey, how do you break through? You know, everyone's always looking for these hacks, these shortcuts, uh, you know, these tips and tricks. And ultimately, at the end of the day, like quality matters, quality in your work and what you do. And, and, and if you can raise the bar and produce something differentiated and uniquely great, that'll shine through. And so uh, that's what I've been focused on is just how do I how do I try to achieve a higher level of performance and a greater level of quality in everything I do, whether it's an email, a slide, a speech to the company, uh, a, a podcast. You know, I'm sure I have opportunities that I'll go kick myself about for how to improve next time you have me on the show. But um, <laughs> but really, you know, be so great they can't ignore you is, is I think, a pretty good piece of advice. Right now, Fritz, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice at the very beginning of, let's say, the renaissance of your wellness journey, when you realize that the bucket is empty and you're ready to put in some work and put some water in there. What do you tell yourself knowing what you know now? That's a great question. I think the most useful advice would be to get back on the horse when you fall off. I, I, I tend to get really fired up and insane and like my diet nutrition is amazing. My workouts are great. I'll do double days. I get a little too into it, right? But then I also completely fall off. And if I fall off because of an injury or I have too many business uh, trips or something throws me off, I'll fall off and then I'll get into the spiral of disencouragement and the negative reinforcement loop, right? The positive reinforcement loop is your nutrition is good. Your workouts are good. Your workouts are good. Your nutrition's good. Your sleep is better. So, I think trying to avoid those negative reinforcement loops and to understand that you're going to fall off the wagon and that's okay. Just show up and just show up to your workout. Even if you don't get the best workout in, just show up and, and, and start pushing that snowball back down the hill and get that positive reinforcement loop going again. Yeah. Grace is so important. And knowing that literally every single second is an opportunity to start fresh is integral to the positive loop moving forward. So grateful that we were able to connect for today's episode. Fritz, tell us how do the hurdlers either follow along with you or follow along with MindBody? Give us the info. So MindBody and ClassPass, you know, on the socials, uh, Instagram is probably the most fun place. Um, and then for me, I, I write posts on Twitter and LinkedIn on occasion, but you know, those aren't necessarily endorsed <laughs> by the company. So my comms team would probably, you know, I have to add a caveat to my Twitter handle. <laughs> These are my personal views only. Exactly, exactly. I get it. Every time I talk to a, a CEO, literally they say the exact same thing. They're like, I'm not really big on Instagram, but you can find me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, I like Insta. I'm just, I'm not that interesting, you know, Yeah, oh, if, I, if I'm it. being good with my nutrition and uh, workouts, it gets kind of boring and, and repetitive. So, oh man. Well, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm over at Emily body and at hurdle podcast, another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>